0: If you're a therapist, then this one is for you, whether you're an associate therapist working towards licensure or a fully licensed therapist as well. Um, On episode 22, we talked to Jennifer Hama. She is a therapist here in Atlanta as well, and she has some really cool stuff for you all. So um, the first thing is her new Clinician Expo, and it's a really cool live virtual event designed for clinicians who've left grad school within the last year or so. It's an opportunity to connect with other new clinicians and build a support network. And you'll also get six core CEs approved through LPC AGA. There will be six speakers on this day, Friday, July 14th. It's from 9.30 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern. And the topics will include setting boundaries as a new therapist, navigating imposter syndrome, specifically for clinicians seeking licensure, how to network as a new therapist, escaping burnout and hustle culture for the 21st century therapist, when are you gonna move on, how to help your client get past the five stages of grief, and the last topic is untapped populations, counseling men in relationships. You'll also get some bonus content, five steps for a smooth road to licensure, practice management, building, and networking relationships early on, how to detect and manage burnout and compassion fatigue, and you'll earn an additional 5% discount by joining the free membership in therapist to therapist. And secondly, Jennifer has a really great CE for any therapist called Ethics and Competencies for Counseling People with Chronic Illness and Pain. This is approved by the LPCA-GA for six ethics hours, and I'll put the link to sign up for either of these in the show notes. Now for today's episode, I really want to talk about the concept of pacing and how I personally understand it and how I use it in my daily life, and how I try to help clients embrace it as well. Pacing is really hard to kind of get behind because it requires you to slow down. And as a therapist, what I know for fact is that when you start to slow down, feelings of grief, anger, sadness, frustration, you know all of these feelings that we tend to really not want to feel, we call these feelings exiles from an internal family systems perspective, These feelings are stuff that moving fast and moving quickly helps us suppress. So when we move fast, you know, trying to get everything done at once and, you know, all or nothing thinking and these kind of like, you know, more anxious kind of uptight kind of got to get this done, got to get it done the right way. All of that is in an effort to avoid the feelings that are incredibly hard for you to feel. And the reason why these feelings are so hard for you to feel can be multiple. There's multiple reasons why this might be the case. One of which is society at, at large just does not um, condone feeling negative feelings. And then the other reason could be, you know, how you were raised. Um, when you did feel those feelings, were you quickly shut down? Uh, were you quickly distracted? Or were you. Um, Did your parents become highly anxious when you did have these feelings and then you kind of reversed roles and maybe took on the caregiver role in that instance? So there's a ton of reasons and this is where therapy is really helpful because it lets you gain some insight into some of that. But regardless, usually when you have a chronic illness, moving really quickly is something that then leads to us crashing. So we crash and burn and then we kind of blame ourselves for just not being good enough, not being capable enough, you know, these are the things that we, it's shame speaking, when really if we kind of just take a step back and look at the feelings we don't want to feel, the things that we all, that we wish could get done within a given day, and then how we try to kind of overcompensate or pretend that our energy is more than it is. So then we get into this really, really stuck rut where we move really fast. We go, 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 go. We know we're tired, but we know that if we just push through, then we're gonna be able to crash on the couch and like zonk out for the rest of the night. And so when this is the case, it becomes a habit that your body becomes really fearful of pausing and taking rests because all it knows is that when you do finally rest, It's a time to crash and not get anything else done for the rest of the day so it reinforces this need to push through your body body sensations to push through what your fatigue level is saying to push through your hunger to push through your need to go to the bathroom to push through your pain levels we're just constantly pushing our body sensations down in an effort to get things done and it really does exacerbate our pain later on, but it becomes all we know. Like it's, it would be really, I wouldn't be surprised if you were listening to this saying, yeah, but like, what other option is there? If I rest, I'm just going to never get back up again. But think about it. That's really not true. Like at some point you will get up again. And I know that it is a common pattern and a common habit at this point in time for you to, once you sit down, again, you're not going to get up for the rest of the evening. It's kind of like intuitive eating in that sense. When you first start intuitive eating, you usually find yourself binge eating because you've been restrictive for years and years and years, and now you finally have the freedom to eat and you binge. And it's really hard to kind of stick with it and continue down this path because it feels like you're just going to keep binge eating forever. But when you really follow the protocols of intuitive eating and learn to become mindful about what's happening in your body, you do start to get these sensations that really tell you when you're hungry and when you're not hungry. And you have a lot more choice around the matter when you bring a heightened level of awareness to it. And the same thing is true with fatiguing ourselves with overcompensating or overdoing it. Everybody's level of fatigue and physical abilities to get things done is different. So as you're listening to this, I'm not just talking about one specific kind of person or one specific example. You can take this information and reflect on your own situation and figure out what parts of what I'm saying are right for you or wrong for you. So when you're going throughout your day, it's important to think about All of the things that you have to get done versus all of the things that you want to get done. And this is, again, another difficulty that we experience when we have limited energy. We're constantly having to make decisions about where we're going to put that energy. I promise as you keep doing this, it does get easier. It doesn't take so much mental energy to figure this out because you have a lot more experience with it. Of course, life can then throw you a curveball and it can feel like you're having to refigure things out all over again and it will feel hard again. And then if you stick through the process like you're doing now, it will get easier again. So when you wake up in the morning thinking about all that you have to get done, all that you want to get done, and then being really realistic about how much energy your body actually has. If you look at that to-do list, whether it's mental list or physical, if you look at that to-do list and you really ask yourself like do i have it in me to go to work and cook dinner and clean the kitchen after and give the kids a bath and also go grocery shopping right after work before dinner do i have the energy for all of those things i don't know about you but more often than not the answer for me is no so a lot of times i go grocery shopping on different days than when i'm actually cooking i don't cook every day we do a lot of batch cooking in my house because that's just how dinner is going to get served otherwise we are going to eat fast food or crackers (laughs) so we that's how we do it here um i know that grocery shopping really wears me out physically so again i don't i don't cook on those days if i am cooking on a day that i also went grocery shopping It is strictly because one i enjoy cooking and i know that i have nothing else to do that day so i'm deciding to use my energy in that way if you have no idea how to know how much energy you're going to have all that means is that you're at the beginning of this process and it's going to take some trial and error so it's going to require you to sometimes overdo it, not not intentionally, but you know you, you're trying out, you're trying to do two things in a day and you're not quite sure if you have the energy for it or not, but you try and you see. And if you overdid it, you make sure that you have a buffer in place, like maybe there's no plans on your calendar the next day, or if seeing friends is something that really uplifts you if you're an extrovert and that is something that's really helpful for you. Maybe you engage in that activity. There are different ways to recuperate. It's not all. In fact, I would argue that this idea of like just laying in bed and closing your eyes and resting in that way, and that's your idea of rest. That's not really going to be really helpful to you. Instead, we want to think about all the different types of rests that there are. And I've got seven for you here. So the first is physical rest, right? And this is giving your body, you know, sitting on the couch, sleeping, not really moving much in an effort to kind of recover from either physical activity or just the day itself or an injury or something like that. And physical rest can be both passive or active, right? So passive would be just like no physical activity, like what I just described, laying down, watching TV, that kind of thing. And active rest is engaging in low intensity activities, things like stretching or yoga or walking. Um, so it's very like, again, low level for you. So this could be, this could look different for everyone. Walking might be a high activity for somebody. If that's the case, active rest might look like you slowly moving throughout your house or something of that nature. And the second type of rest is called mental rest. And this is where you just take a break from really using your brain at all. So I really encourage this type of rest a lot. If you're the type of person that loves listening to podcasts or likes reading personal development books or um, anything like that, or if you're constantly doing a lot of kind of brain activity exercises and, and things like that, which all can be really, really helpful. Um, and great things but sometimes your body needs mental rest and we tend to put a lot of things on in the background because we don't do well with boredom we don't do well with sitting still if you've got an adhd brain sometimes it's actually more helpful helps you focus to kind of have something on in the background i would encourage you to play around with this like how much are you having things on in the background because that's habit because that does help you produce more or be more focused and productive versus You know, maybe I don't need to be productive. Maybe it's okay for me to sit here and be a little bored because that's what my brain needs. You really have to use your intuition for this. And again, intuition is built through trial and error. Mental rest can also include things like that don't, you know, they don't, um, like activities that just don't take a lot of brain space, like, you know, knitting or make doing a puzzle or, you know, things like that. Um, these kind of gentle and kind of repetitive tasks that give us a little bit of physical activity, but not a whole lot of mental activity. Unless of course you're learning it as a new skill, then it's going to be highly mental. And you might consider that when you are learning a new skill, do you have the energy to engage in it today if it's gonna be very mentally draining? (laughs) Next we have emotional rest. And this includes things like asking for help, asking for support, um, you know, engaging in activities that are good for your emotional health, like journaling or talking with a friend or therapy or things like that. Um, And we all need, you know, when you start to feel that tension of like, you haven't felt connected to anyone in a while, or you, you know, you're feeling alone and isolated, it's probably time for some emotional rest, which might require a little bit of physical activity or mental engagement as well. And those two things together might allow you to then engage in emotional rest. And then we have sensory rest. This one is so important, especially if you live in the city like me. You know, I I live on a main road, so there's cars going by all the time. My ability to get sensory rest would really require, and honestly, I don't use these probably as much as i should but it requires some noise blocking headphones um i i don't like things on or in my ear very much so that kind of feels physically irritating to me Um, and i don't think it gives me the sensory rest that i'm looking for so keep that in mind too like some of these this stuff is so individual and it just depends on your personal needs Um, other things i do to alleviate and give myself as much sensory rest as possible is i almost never use fluorescent lights only when I'm kind of like trying to clean something and I really need to see well but almost always we use very um, like warm glowy lights in our house or candles whenever possible the other way that I really escape my senses in a really good and healthy way is sometimes for just 10 minutes I'll close my eyes and this you know I talked about pacing earlier closing your eyes is one of those things that if you close your eyes, it's like I'm I'm going to sleep like closing my like I don't have the Capacity to close my eyes unless I want to go lay down for two hours. This I really had to train myself to do and Admittedly, I didn't use any willpower around this. It was actually born out of n- absolute necessity um, When I was feeding my daughter and there was nothing else I could do um, Some people can like scroll on their phones and watch TV when they're feeding their infants but for some reason that was always just very overstimulating for me. And so there was nothing else I could do, so I would just kind of put my head back and close my eyes and kind of wait for her to be done feeding. And I realized by doing that, that I actually was able to close my eyes for five, 10 minutes and then open them again and be able to kind of like get up and go and that it actually gave me this sense of of rest. So, Yeah, now sometimes in between therapy clients or when I'm putting my daughter down for a nap, um, those are some times that I have naturally built into my day where I can just close my eyes. So any way that you can get some sensory rest, I think is really important. Even if you do live out in the country and you don't have all of this kind of city light and noise, I still think, you know, we live in four walls with lights on all the time and usually have music on or TV on or podcasts on and you know it's just really good to get a break from some of that and you'd be surprised at how it can actually help increase your energy. The next type of rest would be social rest and this is you know sometimes social rest is about saying no to social activities because that's genuinely what's going to make you feel well. I would say that if you're feeling like saying no is what's good for you, it's probably because you're in desperate need of physical mental or sensory rest as well and you just you're needing to rejuvenate in a different way and so social rest can also mean actually spending time with friends and getting rejuvenated from being around the people that you love but everybody whether you're kind of introverted or extroverted it's all it's good really good for all of us to have alone time and time with loved ones so the next type of rest would be creative rest and this is you know, if you are a really creative person, sometimes it's hard to kind of engage in creative endeavors without then feeling like you need to monetize it in some way. But when you do that, when you feel the need to kind of constantly make money from your hobbies, well, it's not really helping you rest in that moment because now you're you're thinking a lot about money and product productivity and things like that. So creative rest would look like and engaging in your creative hobbies and it's truly just a place where you can go and get lost and not think about all of the other pieces that go along with trying to produce something so anything creative you can do that takes you away from work or making money is going to be a really good way to get in some of that creative rest and then lastly is spiritual rest and spirituality does not always mean It doesn't mean religion it means um you know anything that you do that helps you engage with a sense of self a sense of purpose meaning or a higher power um it can be things like prayer or meditation or attending spiritual services or being out in nature things like this is important so when you are considering this concept of pacing and taking rest throughout your day in between activities, physical and mental activities. These are seven different types of rest that you can engage in that still allow you, that allow you to kind of feel this meaning and purpose and connection to yourself. Doing whatever you need to do to get rest into your body from one of these or more one or more of these seven different types of ways is going to help you feel better, be better for yourself and for your family. It's going to help you gain clarity on what's important to you and you know and what's not important to you. It truly allows you to do the hard things like go to the gym. And that that might even be too hard. I know that that was for a long time for me and even now like sometimes I still decide okay I'm not gonna go I I go one to maybe two times a week and again that's a huge step for me Um, took a long time to get there and it might not always remain there either keep that in mind like our goals should never be about this kind of outcome driven like I gotta be the kind of person that goes to the gym four times a week no it's more like okay well I know that my joints Physically do better when I'm strength training. So how do I just feel better? like how do I how do I become the type of person that values my health and That looks different for everyone. So if your goals are to go to the gym Come home make a meal Go to work, you know These things all take a lot of mental and physical energy from us And so we need to add rest in to our day and to our week to our month This can look like days off where you don't do anything, mental and physical rest. Taking vacations where you really, really turn the camera off, where you really turn your phone off and you really just kind of connect with yourself and get away from work and get away from all of the things that tend to drain you on a daily basis. If a vacation is filled with planning and needing to do it the right way and have the best experience ever personally i think the reason that we might have that kind of mindset around vacations is because we don't take enough vacations if you take vacations enough throughout the year they don't have to all be this amazing experience it can just be a weekend trip to the mountains it can just be chilling on the beach for a night not doing anything fun or fancy and just resting We don't really value rest and vacations in this country, so my hope is that this episode gives you just a few ideas on how to add one of these seven types of rest into your day-to-day so that you really can get the things done that you want to get done. Our illnesses will still have limitations. You're not going to be able to just write a list and say, okay, the goal is to get all of this done, but through trial and error, through putting one foot in front of the other and to keep on going, you're going to figure this out. You really are, especially if you're asking for help and you're getting support around this. There's no way you can fail. So I hope that was helpful. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. Feel free to email me or DM me on Instagram or answer the poll question, the question on Spotify. If you learned something new today, consider writing it down in your phone notes or journal and make that new neural pathway light up. Better yet, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a DM on Instagram, email me, or leave a voice memo for us to play on the next show. The way you summarize your takeaways can be the perfect little soundbite that someone else might need in order to better absorb the same lesson. Lastly, leaving a review really helps others find this podcast, so please do so if you found this episode helpful.